0: This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, people, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number four. I hope your week has gone well so far. Uh, In New York, it's winter. I know it's April, but uh, it's winter, and winter is coming. I know winter's here, but uh, I don't know that the summer is coming. I think it's just going to be winter from now on. Cheers. Salud. Those are a couple words you might say if you were raising some glasses in the air to make a toast. I say that because in today's episode, I talk with Marshall Thompson, co-founder of Braven Brewing Company in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been acquainted with Marshall for several years through the NYC bar industry, and we've been Facebook friends for most of that time, but it was nice to get to sit down and have a real conversation with him. We talked about a lot of things, ranging from beer to starting a business to worldviews to Colorado. I had an embarrassing moment in the middle of our chat where I forgot some basic geography, but caught myself, whoa, You'll hear it. We met right in the middle of my launch week, so I was on very little sleep. In fact, I still am. But that said, I thought it was a great conversation, and I really look forward to sharing it with you. This was recorded in the Rack Shack in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Let's have a conversation. start rolling right now um and yeah man marshall thompson how you doing i'm great great thanks thanks for having me here thank you for coming here braven bushwick brewing company is that the full name braven brewing company braven brewing company yeah based in bushwick um bushwick's first official brewing company if i'm not mistaken or yeah Th- that
1: was always the goal yeah <laughs> when we we started the company back in 2013 20- 13, Mm -hmm. um, our goal was to be the first brewery in Bushwick in almost 40 years. Yeah. So there was a a really strong brewing tradition here in the neighborhood. The old breweries were Rheingold, Schaefer, Peels, even Schlitz had a bottling plant here. So almost, well, there were over two dozen at one point, mostly it was all pre-Prohibition, late 1800s, early 1900s, and then all of them closed with Prohibition. Some of them reopened, uh, and the last one closed in 1976, which was Rheingold. So the goal was to be able to be the first brewery back in the neighborhood. Since then, so um, we tried to raise money when we first did it Uh, between my business partner, Eric, and I. We just didn't have enough money to start a brewery in New York City because it is crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, So we did like a Kickstarter and we got a lot of really great support from my friends and family and Eric's friends and family. But about a third of the money that was donated to the campaign was from strangers, People that just believed in this concept and this idea of what we wanted to do, so that wasn't very encouraging at the time. But then we tried to raise money from other investors and, and friends and family, and it just it wasn't there. We tried pretty hard, and um, people were very happy for us, but they didn't have money to give us. Yeah. So um, we started brewing up in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, okay, um, at Old Saratoga Brewing Company in December of 2014. So we've been brewing, we were brewing there uh, for the last three years until they abruptly closed in January. So we've uh, moved our brewing, actually we're brewing even closer to the city now at Two Roads Brewing Company in Connecticut. So that's where we're doing all of our our big core styles. Mm -hmm. But now as of last summer, we were able to raise money from investors, which it took two and a half years of being in business before people uh, saw, or people with the means Saw what we were doing, believed in what we're doing, and were willing to give us money to invest in the company. So now we've uh, signed a lease, and we're about to start construction on our space and be open hopefully later this summer. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the space we're in now is formerly Lantern Hall. Yeah. It was a bar restaurant, so uh, we're going to have a full brew pub. So it's, we're going to be brewing on site with small batches, three and a half barrel electric system, and then... Uh, most of the beer that we're making will be staying on site. A couple uh, kegs will go out for distribution, but we'll have a full restaurant, full liquor license, uh, DJ setup, um, dance nights. There's a disco ball already there, so nice. we're keeping that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a very fun venue. Um, we're excited for the food. We have a really great chef that's going to be coming on. We have an awesome uh, head brewer that we've just hired. He was the former head brewer at the brewery on top of Italy, Breweria. Nice. Yeah, so he's a crazy experience. Uh so there's a lot of really great excitement and momentum right now with Braven. It's been five years since I originally wrote the business plan for Braven in the uh in Heavy Woods. That's where I like sat down one day with a laptop and just started typing. Nice. Yeah, so that kind of brings us up to speed with what we're doing right now.
0: Got you. So the idea was kind of born in the Bushwick area. Um, Absolutely. And, and now it's uh, coming home fully to, to Bushwick yeah. with the brewing
1: pub and everything. Yeah. yeah, that was always our goal. This was – we actually we keep saying, like, this is when the business actually starts. Mm-hmm. Everything we've done is, like, precursor to what we've been wanting to do for five years, to actually have a brewing a brewery here in Bushwick. Um it just took us a long time to get there, but we are pretty gritty. We don't give up very easily. And we've had plenty of opportunities and setbacks to, um, just pack it up and just say, this is too hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's not something I would recommend to anybody to like, start a brewery and definitely don't do it if you don't have any money. <laughs> right. Um, but on
0: the other hand, I mean, if that's what you want to do, like you, you did yeah. it for some reason. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Not knowing the struggle, like I've, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know as just a business person and, you know, entrepreneur, I understand that aspect of struggle. Also like trying to do music and arts and acting, I understand the struggle, um, in general, but from my perspective, I remember you guys, uh, launching with, did you launch with brave and white IPA? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember that being super popular. I saw it everywhere. It was at pine box. That's where I first met you. Yep. Um, and then, uh, the Thing is, when you release Braven Pilsner, yeah, then of course everybody wants that. Um, yeah, and actually, currently, I bartend also a couple days at Ed's Lobster Bar in Soho. Oh, sure, and we pretty much yeah. always have the Braven Pilsner on top. Yeah. And I like I like that one because people, <laughs> you know, are asking for Stella or something, and I'm like, yeah, well, actually, you know, my friend Marshall makes this one right here. Oh, in great, Westwick, you know, Brooklyn, New York, yeah, so.
1: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know you worked that too. Yeah. So for yeah.
0: Uh, tourists and stuff, it's, it's yep. a nice little <laughs> anecdote. Um,
1: yeah, it's the great thing about. Um, well, I mean, being a brewery in New York City is such a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard to get up and running. There's so much more regulation. And the taxes, like anything for running a business in New York, is usually pretty harder. <laughs> yeah. Than especially with the physical address and street level, like um, just the rents are insane and so much bureaucracy. And the Department of Buildings is so much more of a hassle than other cities, and um, yeah, so that's always a consideration. But then at the same time, um, this is the biggest population of anywhere in the United States. Yeah. So there are a lot of drinkers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you have all of the tourists that come too. Yeah. So if if you can kind of establish yourself and get a foothold and get up and running, then you always have an advantage of being local over everybody else that is trying to sell their beer in new york city people i know breweries from like the midwest and um the south like they'll they want to have their foothold in new york city because it's like this amazing city and there's there are a lot of drinkers but if it comes down to what's local if, if that's what the consumer wants then we're gonna beat out some of the other big breweries even though they have a much they'll they'll sell like 50 times more than we will across the country, but here in New York City, like, this is our home.
0: Right, and you can make up for it, I guess, with the density of population there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Nice. Um, So what brought you into uh, the beer brewing business?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, So, like I said, my business partner, Eric, and I, we've been friends for about 17 years at this point. We met in, we are both in college. We didn't go to the same school. He went to high school with my college roommate. So he would come and, like, crash in my dorm room. Uh, I think it was, like, our sophomore year that and we met. Where was this? It's at American University in okay. D.C. Okay. And um, he ended up moving to D.C. after college. And I, like, my, uh, Dan was my roommate. His high school friends end up moving there, and he, they merged with our college friends. So we had the super friends group. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually Eric started going to Georgetown Law School, and that's when we really started hanging out a lot. Uh, we would go to a lot of shows we spend most of our time really at the black hat it's a really great dc music venue i lived across the street from there and i think i've seen a
0: show there before i had a girlfriend way back in the day like kind of the first you know high high school um post high school Uh long term girlfriend went to g-dub okay yeah and uh yeah i think i've i think i saw a show there i think i saw dell there
1: okay yeah um yeah it's a legendary indie venue i think um dave grohl is still part owner there um but that was basically my second home i was there literally every single night yeah um, and they just have like the best bar staff and um they always treated us very very well um and eric and i had like two bar stools on the corner of the bar that we would always sit at and we always drank like the best beer they had on tap and in 2006 it was newcastle that was our favorite and that was like the shit it was so good yeah compared to everything else that they had so um we always kind of were like we're we're drinking the best stuff and uh so then kind of fast forward we both ended up moving to new york city around the same time in 2008 um and he went to be like full-time lawyer i went back to grad school and got my mba in marketing i was going to fordham at the time and one day I was just like in the computer lab at school and I was like just uh, sent him a link to a homebrew kit because mm-hmm. I was like, I, th- I need a hobby of some kind. I'm just sick of just doing schoolwork. Yeah. So I was like, Eric, what do you think about doing like a homebrew kit? Is that something that you'd be interested in? And he said, you used to be shitting me. I have that same kit open in another tab right now. I was looking to do that, too. Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right, this is meant to be. We should absolutely do this. So we we bought the kit. Uh, We had to get uh, a brown ale in honor of our favorite beer back then. So um, we brewed a pretty adequate brown ale. Um, Wasn't the best thing in the world, but it tasted a lot better because we made it. So it was was a fun process um, starting that first time. And then um, we just had a blast doing it. He has a, a background in um chemistry. Mm-hmm. So he's very mindful of making sure we hit all the temps and like the um he's very accurate with all the readings and stuff, so he's a, a mind for that. I'm more of like a thirty thousand foot view of like what I wanted to end up looking like. Um and I'm more of like a visual person of like creating stupid labels and stuff. Back back when it was like a hobby. Yeah. And yeah, it was a hobby we did for a couple of years. We thought it was really fun. That was in 2009, October 2009. We did our first batch. And we were both living in the East Village at the time. Um, we were brewing in his apartment in Stytown.
0: How did your uh,
1: first batch come out? <laughs> yeah, it, it was good. Nice. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it still tasted like homebrew. Right. But um,
0: I've had some uh, people's homebrews before. You know, it's a yeah. learn pretty steep learning curve i'm sure uh, yeah
1: and and we this is when you, you when you first start you just use extract which is basically syrup and so you, you're not even really brewing that much like you are you're to an extent but you're you don't have to like have the grains involved there are no grains it's just syrup that you dump in and you boil that so it's it's a lot of shortcuts when right you're doing it that way but um we did kind of like any hobby there are a lot of toys and a lot of things that can make the process better and improve your quality. So we'd always like find like, Oh, there's a wort chiller that you can buy instead of like using all this other ice and, um, trying to cool the pot down at like a certain time. So just like any other hobby where if you like own a motorcycle, you can like always add right. another piece of Chrome here or there. And, mm-hmm. uh, so that's what we just kept doing, like buying new pieces of equipment, new toys to help the process. Um, and so we kept doing that for a number of years until I think, yeah, 2013, I was working for like marketing agencies and I was just really sick of it. I, I, I couldn't work for companies I didn't believe in mm-hmm. anymore. Um, especially when you're working at an agency, you're assigned what account to work on. So I, I won't say which right. companies I worked for, but like I just didn't believe in their like corporate view. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just told, like, this is who you're trying to sell now and you have to create social media campaigns for this company i'm like i don't like this company like yeah so um i i just kind of had enough and then i i just started to write the business plan and i was like eric i really want you to be part of this with me because he was kind of over the corporate law world Mm Mm-hmm. And it took about a month of me trying to, like, convince him that he should leave his high-paying <laughs> legal career behind and, like, come make no money with me, but you'll have fun. Um, so he eventually got on board. And, it, yeah, it took about almost two years before we had our first product. But um, so we originally, the uh, East Village Brewing Company, that was, like, our, our hobby name, the EVBC Did you release anything under that name? No, it was, uh, that was our hobby. Like that was our own brewing name. Gotcha. Um, And then I'd moved to Bushwick in 2012. And so we, we weren't going to do anything in East village anymore. And when we learned about the history of Bushwick and just the availability of, of industrial space that you kind of need for brewing, we're like, okay, this makes a lot more sense to start thinking about brewing here. Um, So we had to drop the EVBC name and come up with something different. And, um, so we t- talked about some other names. We had a couple different ideas. But back in 2010, um, I was like getting a lot of tattoos when I was in grad school. So I was like, I'm going to get one that like represents both sides of my family. My mom's uh, family has a buck in their family coat of arms. yeah, And my father's side, Thompson, has three ravens in the Thompson coat of arms. So I was going to get a raven on one shoulder and a buck tattooed on the other. And I was like, you know, it's a lot cheaper if I just get one tattoo and mash them both together. Yeah. So I got a tattoo of a raven. Actually, I don't know if I've showed you before, but it's a nice it's a raven with buck antlers on it. So, um, so when we were coming up with names for the brewery, I was like, Eric, I got this weird tattoo. <laughs> I've never seen another thing like this before. It's a bird with antlers on it. It's a buck and a raven. I've nicknamed it a braven what do you think? And he's like, well, that is unique. Um, I think we can go with that. Yeah.
0: And it's also braven. Um, yeah, like, you know, um, it's funny. Uh, my band, I am the third, same exact way. Um, because I'm Alex Stevens, the right. third. And at the time, um, I used to, I like, I was pursuing acting. That's what I came to New York for. But at the time I was being drawn more to music. Mm hmm. And, um, in acting kind of the similar thing of being disillusioned in something. Now I'm like, like got the itch back or whatever, but, um, I was really kind of getting into like self-affirmation and just the idea of I am. Yeah. And then I've always wanted, um, like something with the third tattooed. And I was Uh talking to another musician about those two things. And I was thinking about the third for a name of the band, Uh but I was talking about I am and the third. And he was like. Would the band be I Am or The Third or I Am The Third? And I was like, huh, I Am The Third. Good name. Yeah, there you go. Um, So it's funny how that that happens. Um, Tattoos, you know, bringing it all together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But also your story um, kind of reminds me of uh, the Elysian Brewing Company out of Seattle. Um, Okay. started in a very similar way. Yeah. And it was one of my earliest jobs when i was like 20 years old oh really um but dick cantwell and his friends uh, uh they were all college buddies man. um different things like one of them more marketing um dick has always been big into uh brewing yeah. um and i think maybe study that in college even um, right and yeah that's that's how the elysian brewing company out Seattle all started um was with those three guys who i'm spacing i think marcus was one it's been years since i've seen him but, yeah uh Dick, I ran into like through managing Pine Box for a while. Um, oh, really? Here in did New York. Did you come York, out so. here? Yeah. Um okay. They've sen- they've now sold, um, right. and there's some controversy over that. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, I've heard
1: about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I'm you know I'm happy for them. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that they they all did make some money off of that, and that's yeah. that's cool. Um, it's well, kind of sad because I was always kind of proud of yeah of being a kind of my own part of that history. Right. Um but yeah, but it's good to know.
1: I think he got involved with an investor group that purchased Magnolia in that San Francisco. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, with um, some people from New Belgium and then somebody from actual Belgium. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Some by those sours. Yeah, but yeah, they they like saved Magnolia, which is like a really old brand too. Yeah. So you're gonna see more of that all the time, like. Oh that's just happened with Old Saratoga. It's a, a brand that's been around for like 20 years and end up closing their doors. Well they might end up coming back with some new um ownership. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know yet, but this year so far has been full of breweries closing. Like Smutty Nose. Was, oh yeah. They were just auctioned off. Um, wow. And and um Green Flash. Mhm. They were just sold. Um so a lot of Were they sold to InBev or no, no, no. They went uh they were they were in debt to the bank. So the bank foreclosed on the whole brewery. Wow. Um they closed their Virginia Beach location. It was like a $20 million project or something. They just like had to get rid of it. Yeah. Um so a lot of breweries over the last 5 years or so that were big and they were growing and they maybe were growing at like 15-20% a year thought that was just going to continue forever and they overinvested to try to open up new breweries and to um, spend way too much money or to, they borrowed too much money to try to keep up with this demand and uh, once you have 6,500 breweries in the country like you're gonna eat they're gonna eat away at that that rapid growth right so now we're kind of at a, a leveling off I, I'm not mm. sure how there's been breweries? kind of an
0: explosion of new brewing companies in New York though, at the same time. Right? Yeah,
1: I think when we first put together our pitch deck in 2013, there were six, yeah, eight, maybe, breweries in the city. And now, I think there's like 40. Yeah. So, it's pretty wild how fast that's happened. Yeah. Like just in the time that we've been trying to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's it's really great, I think. I mean, we would go visit breweries in Denver and Portland and... Uh, San Francisco, like you know, a much longer brewing tra- or brewing tradition of of craft beer in the most recent era, and it's great when you go to Denver. You can go to like six or ten in one day if you are a little crazy. But we've done that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you can go to like distilleries and dispensaries. And it's like it's a it's a crazy place in Denver, but yeah,
0: Colorado uh, seems to be like the state to. To
1: watch and like it's literally the wild west. Yeah. <laughs> like like anything goes, it feels like Yeah. Uh, well and then they had uh I mean the Denver Denver's mayor was uh um John Hickenlooper. Denver
0: Denver the state, not Colorado yeah, the yeah. city, sorry. Yeah.
1: Well like the the, the city and then the, the state is um well the governor of Colorado now is John Hickenlooper, who was the founder of WineCoop. Yeah. So when you have a, a craft beer proprietor entrepreneur who's the governor you're going to be fairly <laughs> pro beer um so actually there's been talk of him running for president now which would be very interesting for the the country with beer he's a he's a centrist and he was i think it was him and uh Kasich that were talking about running together on like a joint democratic republican ticket
0: yeah That's i'm wild. having a moment real quick and you can help yeah. me with it um i'm on very little sleep uh <laughs> But uh, I don't want anybody to be confused with my confusion right at yeah. the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, it's okay to clarify things and ask questions sometimes. <laughs> sure. Denver is the state. And De- Col- no, no, Colorado's the state. Denver's the city. Colorado's the okay. state. I had it right state. the first time. And yeah. I was like, wait a second. So uh, sorry yeah. about that, you know, folks. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't want to promote fake news or whatever. Um, anyway, Colorado, yeah. the state. Where yes.
1: We're... Yeah. Um, Denver is the, the capital. There. Yes. Um so yeah, my sister lives out there just outside Denver and it's it's fun going out there. It's always kind of like it feels like looking into the future of business sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're like, Oh, this is what we should be doing. Yeah, this is Absolutely. Um like just like the, the the revenue they generate from or the tax revenue they generate from narrow sales. Marijuana. Yes. It's like it's insane. And people There's, it's twenty percent tax. Yeah. People are like no problem. Take my money. And it like, yeah. goes to like education and schools. And there's That's absolutely
0: incredible. no like logical argument against the legalization of marijuana at all. And yeah. in my opinion, there's no moral, yeah. like logical, moral argument yeah. against it other than antiquated uh, f- beliefs ba- based on nothing. Yeah. Based on propaganda, you know. Right. Right. It's like 100 years old. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that's that's a
1: whole crazy other thing, you know. Yeah, it's it'll get here to New York yeah. eventually. It, yeah, it, it definitely feels like we're buying the times. But yeah, um
0: I think we're New York's moving in the right direction. Yep. Um and I think the country is overall. Like in, yeah. on that on that aspect. Right. Um, I think the people are definitely have overwhelmingly, like even over the last five years, the tide has yeah, completely absolutely. like shifted on. Yeah,
1: that. it's completely accepted in mainstream culture. Yeah. Like it's not nearly stigmatized. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to see a lot of tide turning on that. But also, like, generate those taxes. Like, yeah, absolutely. Great. Like, What's the downside? There's of so many arguments for it. People like, are willing to pay that. Mm-hmm. that. People don't want to do, like, I mean, people do buy it illegally all the time. But yeah. if you made it legal, you would have way more people like interested in spending money and all that money going to other very... Necessary things in our society, mostly schools. (laughs) I think that's what Colorado's like. And then I think they got to there's some kind of like I'm trying to remember this. I think there was some kind of threshold where they they were taking in too much money, so they were giving. They had to give it back to people. How crazy is that? It's ideal. I've never heard of of something that that's possible. I mean,
0: I've heard of it uh, in some uh, European countries. I think something like that, like some yeah. And maybe Alaska sometimes. Um, that might be the one state where sometimes we uh, okay. get something like that. But yeah. Uh,
1: there's... Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's pretty wild. And um, I don't But know. it's, again, I, model... Like, look at what
0: these European countries are doing. Like, right. this is... I know we're a bigger country, but I think we could be doing better. And, and, and yeah, if we could generate that tax revenue and yeah. put it towards education, yeah. um, infrastructure... Yeah, and just investing in people. Like, right. I'd love to live in a country like that. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and now with more automation mm-hmm. coming, literally taking away people's jobs. Like, I was um, walking by this McDonald's and like the in Harlem, I think, and I didn't see anybody behind the counter taking orders. It's yeah. all kiosks now. Like, you're just those are just go- jobs gone. Like, not coming back. They're not even shipped overseas. They're just eliminated from a, a touch screen. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be happening more and more and more of, of just ways for companies to cut costs. They don't have to hire as many people. It's better for their bottom line. But people still exist, so they still have to eat and they have to f- have jobs and somehow like get money to pay for food and rent. So now there's this idea of uh, universal basic income. Yeah. i um, have seeing that and more and more.
0: I think it's... A good idea like I think yeah. the concept of it is good um, that people mm-hmm. would have a universal basic income or like a universal basic quality of life and the argument I hear against it is like well people would be lazy and take yeah. advantage of it and not work but the thing with that is I'm fine with that I'm fine with people having like basic a decent quality of life yeah. and if they just want to sit around and play video games I'm fine if they want to do that. There's people like but, you and me and many other people who are still going to want to do creative things. Yeah. You know? Well,
1: and even $1,000 a month, like, yeah. I guess that's a lot for certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, I don't know anyone, like, where you'd be able to survive on $12,000 right. a year. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't know if that's really possible, but it's to supplement. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just live on that. Yeah. Um, But it's at least helpful for people that are already on welfare and yeah. people that do need help and... There's already a giant homeless population, yeah, even you would give them a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, my God, that would turn people's lives around. Yeah, um, and, and it, it's 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 hard to argue with the way that technology is already moving. Yeah, these jobs are going to be disappearing.
0: Well, and it's I think you know, with the industrial revolution and the rapid advancement of technology, the initial idea, was that it would make people's lives easier and they would yeah. have to work less hard. And, um, up until I think, think we, you know, I think we are kind of reaching a critical turning point, but, um, the opposite has happened since the industrial revolution to now where, especially in the United States, we're the big, you know, the biggest, um, most powerful, used to be one of the most affluent countries um, and it's become a grind for everybody. like yeah. this isn't what it was supposed to be right for day-to-day life of people. So yeah, I think, yeah, the idea of technology finally like turning a corner and easing that up and us figuring out as a society what what kind of society we want to become. yeah, I'd love to live in a society where, it's not such a grind and people have more time to be more creative and more innovative. Yeah. Or if they want to like, you know, just coast by and, you know, enjoy things. I don't have a problem with if that's what they want to do. Right. Cause there's going to be other people who are still going to, you know, want to be innovative and who are going to want to like strive for, for more, for meaning or more wealth or whatever it is, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's also the, the uh the growth of like the the wealth at the highest end where, yeah with wages having kept up and so we were in a better place even 30 years ago right where, like middle income families uh, middle class families would be able to afford to own a house and like two cars and like maybe only the dad would have to work and or whoever the breadwinner there only had to be one for a family and now everybody has to work all the time there's there are very few like um it, it feels like I, mean, I don't know everybody but it feels like it takes two incomes now just to yeah. survive um to have a family and and to pay for basic things mm-hmm. even just to be like middle class not even trying to you know join the elite or anything. Yeah. And I think yeah but the the 1% is still taking on a much bigger chunk of the country's wealth. Yeah. So that you know, wealth distribution is like a very crazy word or term to throw around. I'm not talking about taking it away from them, right? But throttling it back, maybe a y- little. Yeah, bit. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's after
0: a certain point, you can't even like it doesn't. There's a certain point, and it's like, um, it's not a billion dollars. It's like there's after a right. hundred million <laughs> dollars, like after yeah. you know, twenty five million dollars. There's a certain point where you can't really improve your basic quality of life anymore.
1: You can't. Yeah. You, you can can't having, use any of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you can't and possibly spend it in, yeah, that would,
0: yeah. And if other people are starving and just working yeah. themselves to death, like what's the point of that? That's not beneficial to society, you know? Uh,
1: yeah. Well,
0: I'm uh, like, I'm fine with these people having more toys than me. Yeah. I don't want to take away their toys. Right um i i actually just want to be able to live in a world where we can all play and have fun and create together yeah. more you know yeah
1: well and, and not have to see people begging on the street mm-hmm. like that would be great yeah and it's i feel like that is not too hard to fix with a couple of people at the top who just want to make that happen
0: yeah but and when know. you travel, you know, to different countries around the world and you see places where there's still affluence, but nobody on the streets. Right. Um, you s- it's possible. Yeah. And it's <laughs> those places are lovely to be in. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not because yeah. I don't want to see home. It's not because like because here sometimes it's like there's the issue of, well, like certain communities. And then we ha- we're having a real problem with homeless people so much that all of a sudden now there's homeless people in more affluent neighborhoods. And then the cities and neighborhoods are trying to figure out what to do with the homeless problem, meaning like not actually do anything about it. Just, they don't want to see the people. Right. It's like, I don't want to see the homeless people because I don't want to see people homeless on the street. Right. If there's something we can do about it,
1: put them in a closet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, actually get to the root of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that was a fun, yeah. Idea. How did we get <laughs> <end> up there? <laughs> um, well, bringing it back around to, uh, to brave in, um, what's the timeline looking on, on the new, the new place, sure. the new brew pub.
1: Yeah. Um, we're about to break ground. Hopefully this, oh, I keep saying this week and it's already Thursday. looks like next week. Um, we have we are working with a, a contractor and an architect that have worked on a number of different breweries in Brooklyn. So these guys are like the pros. They're yeah. really great to work with. Um, so we're, we don't have to build out, thankfully, a whole uh, brew pub like you would from just a empty warehouse. We're starting right. from 80% done pretty yeah. much. Uh, so we're just doing some uh, cosmetic finishes. We'll do a couple coats of paint, some new light fixtures, some new furniture, and then we'll stub out all the uh, plumbing for the tanks. Um, upgrade. We have to upgrade the electric, and uh, it looks like the equipment's going to be, it's being manufactured right now out in Portland, mm-hmm. so that's on track, um, and then that's going to be installed the first week of June. Nice. So then as soon as that's installed, then we start doing some test batches, and after it's installed too, that's when we can f- apply for the final sign-off on all of our licensing. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we have that, then uh, we're hoping to open in maybe mid to late July, and at the latest August, hopefully. So this summer, definitely. Nice. It's definitely. Yes. Yeah. I tap the table. But and you're
0: doing a uh, kind of a launch party or kickoff party at Our Wicked Lady. Um. Oh,
1: that that's for our new style. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just for um, Vibes Summer Ale um, that we just lo- we just hit the market this week, actually. So it's a blonde ale. It's brewed with uh, lemon and lime peel, and it
0: comes in a green bottle. Well, a label, a bottle with a green label yeah. on it. I'm looking at it right now in the studio.
1: Yeah. So we're excited to to get that into the market. Um, it's the first time we've done like a summer seasonal. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be available from now through September.
0: Nice. Yeah. And, and then you also released uh, your first can.
1: Yes. Yes. This is very exciting for us. It's a 16 ounce can of a, a very popular new style uh it's been taken the country by storm it's a new england style ipa it's very uh hazy is the the real defining characteristic of new england ipa very aromatic very adult, tropical fruits um, we use cryo hops in it too which is kind of a new um, technique where they extract the top oil and it's more efficient um, with the with the the beer So, um, yeah, we just launched that on Tuesday night. It was really popular. We had a fun party over at the Sampler, um, which is where we tapped our very first keg in 2015. Nice. Um, Yeah, it was on my birthday on January 4th, 2015. It was a pretty good birthday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this one is the first in a series we're doing of of 16-ounce cans. Um, The next one we're doing coming up, and it's going to be available in late May. It's called Skirt Skirt. Uh, It's a double IPA. So we're excited to do that one, too. It's the first time we're doing a double IPA. Nice. A little bigger, 8.6%. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit of a boozy beer. So, yeah, we're finally being able to do these uh, projects and styles and all these uh, things we've been wanting to do. Is the Raven White, like, available right now, too? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, the White White IPA still available. If
0: if you're not um, into IPAs yet... That's a great one to start with. Um, bring you in tasty, lighter, unique. Try that one out for Thank sure. You.
1: Yeah, that was that was like a, a homebrew idea. Um, actually, when we were out visiting my sister in Colorado, we had a white IPA for the first time. And Colorado, we, man, yeah, Colorado. It's always <laughs> like five years in the future. Um, yeah, we had we we were out there for like a week, and we went to think 11 breweries in that time and we we tried we kept track of all and we had over 100 beers like of different styles that i think none of them were available in the east coast so mm-hmm. it was always just seeing like what's what's out there and that was the first time we had a white ipa it's a hybrid of a belgian white and an american ipa so it has the like spices like orange peel and coriander and then flaked wheat from a belgian white and then the the hop um, kind of characteristic of an IPA, but then it's also a little lower in alcohol. It's only five percent. so it hits a number of different factors that we thought were were pretty fun for our first beer and yeah it's been popular. Um, I like to he, people always say like I don't like IPAs mm-hmm. but I like drinking this beer. I wouldn't even know that it would be called considered an IPA and it's it's definitely a blend. it's not like a true IPA. That's what our our newest one is um, called Skyliner. That one's like more of a real, more a bitter seven percent IPA. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think white IPA is a good intro beer to IPAs. So. Yeah, I agree.
0: Nice. Um, and then well, let's talk about the other two since they're here. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, well that's the Skyliner. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So Skyliner um, we launched last October. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a core style. It's available all year round. Um, So we kind of came up with the name because uh, while we haven't had our own brewery for the last couple of years, we've, we had an office at the corner of Jefferson and Irving at the uh, Brooklyn brush studio. Um, and it's cool in that community, you're in that building. It's a community of artists and entrepreneurs and people that just need a little studio to themselves. Where is that? You said it's at, uh, Jefferson street and Irving Avenue right by Maria Hernandez park. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons what we liked the space so much is that we had access to the rooftop deck, mm-hmm. which is gorgeous It has this amazing view of the whole all of Manhattan from like top to bottom, like unobstructed because you're kind of up on the hill a little bit. So, what's the name of this place again? I'm it's called. To, it's around the corner from my house. Brooklyn Brush Studios. Okay. So nice. it's it's a very like nondescript door. Yeah. Uh, but then the second and third floors are just they're not co-working spaces. They're just like month-to-month office spaces and Got studios. You. Um, so there, we've met a bunch of really interesting people that have different businesses. Some people are just photographers. They do video editing, all kinds of things. Um, but then if we're having like a rough day, we would take a couple of beers up to the rooftop and like drink them on the, the deck, kind of look out over the city. And yeah. Think about like, oh, we have an account there. We have an account there. Like all these places. And for a little while, we were at the top of the One World Trade Center.
0: Oh, nice. So that was
1: like cool. one of our very first accounts when it opened which was, uh, it was huge. It was such an honor to be one of the first beers on tap at that place. Um, So we'd go up there and like talk through our issues, (laughs) like whatever was on our mind at the time. And um, felt like after we were up there for a little bit, like we'd either have some kind of epiphany or just feel better about um, the course of the business. So that that place held a, a special place in our hearts for the ability to, I don't know. take us to a different mindset mm-hmm. so we're like we should name a beer like after this because we appreciate it so much up here and so we're like looking at the skyline all the time we're like oh well skyliner would be kind of cool and so we ended up working with a, a graphic designer friend and we said all right they're going to be like sky blue labels and at the bottom we want to have the new york city skyline on it uh he's like okay cool i got it and so we like we got the first draft back and it had the uh, Statue of Liberty on the right side and the Empire State Building on the left. And we're like, "Wait a second, something's off about this." Wait, that's the Jersey view, not the Brooklyn view. No, we can't have that. <laughs> so he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll fix it." And he just swapped it around. Then we're like, "Okay, that's much better. That's the view we're used to seeing." Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that one's been really fun too. It's been um, it's becoming more and more popular. Um, it was a little slow to start, but. Really, the bottles have taken off, especially um, versus draft. Uh, I think people just like the, the color of it. Um, yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of our style. Like, we've always been try to keep it simple with our branding. Because, um, I mean, there's a lot of beers you can choose from. It's hard to stand out on a supermarket shelf or a bodega, like, refrigerator. So we try to keep it just straight to the point. Mm-hmm. And people seem to appreciate that, I think. Yeah. And then the other flagship is the the Bushwick Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's got a pretty fun story. We when we were doing research for the the brew pub or for the brewery back in 2013, we stumbled across this article that was written, I think it was in 1996, by um, this Bushwick beer historian. I guess he is more of a beer historian, but this article in particular was about Bushwick, and that's where we kind of learned about all these other breweries, and. He, this guy had personal correspondences with a lot of the brewmasters from the 20th century. They were probably pretty older by this time because they'd been out of business for 20 years. But he was able to uh, put together the recipes, basically, for how Rheingold, Schaefer, Peels, and Traumers all made their pilsners. And at the time, they were a little hoppier, so a little higher IBUs and a little boozier Um, than some of the other Pilsners at the time. So um, this one is um, a little, I think it's like 35 IBUs, which is a little high for a Pilsner. And then also it's 5.5%, which is a little stronger than other Pilsners. But that was traditional to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so we said, when we're going to do it, um, we're going to do it traditionally to the way that they did it back then. So we kind of took our favorite elements out of each of those four styles and ended up making the Bushwick Pilsner. Oh, and also um, we used 12% flaked maize, which is corn, in there. And that's that's what they did back then, too. And that's like now considered an adjunct. It's considered like a negative thing, maybe. But we said, well, we want to make it as true to what we could to the recipes that we have a, a, access to, or we can see. So um, it's become really popular. Um, and it's very easy drinking. People like the flavor of it. And that's to me the most important sometimes it takes the uh the marketing or the label to get people to try it the first time but then if they don't like it if it doesn't taste good then i'm not going to go back for another one after that nice so that's it's kind of where both eric and i work very well together i i have to get him to try it the first time and then his his uh creation of the the beer is what's going to keep him coming back for more Mm -hmm. nice yeah
0: so, yeah, it's not just uh, – there's more to the name than I knew.
1: Yeah, so Bushwick Pilsner is not just a name. It's actually a style. It's, yeah. it's traditional to the Pilsners that I, were made here in the neighborhood.
0: I did not know about uh, all that beer history of the neighborhood yeah. until, until today. So. so
1: there there are two breweries that are still standing that I know of. Um, one is the Ulmer Brewery. It's at the corner of um, Belvedere and uh, Beaver. Mm -hmm. Um, right off the Flushing Avenue station. And the, oh, no, I'm blanking on the name. Um, The Hittleman Brewery, which is where the well is right now. Okay. That used to be a brewery back in the early 1900s. So those are the two that I know of. The buildings are still existing. Pretty much everything else has been torn down. That's kind of the course of New York City. (laughs) Like, just wiping away a lot of history. Yeah. Um, So it's unfortunate, but um, it's cool to still see there are some remnants of it left. Nice. Well, cool. Um, I learned about
0: that. I learned about a uh, braven. I thought braven when I first saw it, I was thinking a uh, game of Thrones. Yeah. It has a very game of Thrones. Yeah. thing. So the yeah. timing's good on that one also.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that we, I don't, I'm trying to think, I didn't know what game of Thrones was in 2012, 2013, probably definitely not 2010 when I got the, the tattoo originally. Yeah. Um, But yet,
0: started around 2012 or something, yeah. I think that's about right. I think
1: maybe a little 20. I don't know. Um, I know I wasn't wasn't the first person to watch it, so I I came in, I think, around the second or third season, probably. But, um, I was a day one, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then
0: I read the books while the first season was oh, wow, okay,
1: yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was never that cool to actually know about it ahead of time. I was like, everyone's already talking about this, I'll just jump on this bandwagon. Um, or maybe
0: you were too cool to know about it. You uh, know <laughs> I <mean? laughs> maybe I like I like some of my fantasy, yeah, sci-fi nerd stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: well, it's cool with the logo too. That um, yes, I, I, there's a lot of people that see like Game of Thrones, but I've heard people say like, oh, it looks like Harry Potter, uh, or like I, I met a professor once that taught like um, something about Native American like iconography, and she's like, that looks like something I could have in my course. I'm like, okay, sure uh and then one time this is probably my favorite example we're doing an event for we were the beer of the month at this uh place called mason jar on on, like park avenue and 30th street and the chef comes out of the kitchen and he says are you the braven guys i'm like yeah he's like oh i love your logo it's so cool it's like a heavy metal brazilian soccer team (laughs) nice (laughs) i'm like yeah okay i can kind of see that and it's like a Rorschach test almost yeah. for like, what do people like? And that's what they see yeah, in the logo. That's awesome. So it, it's kind of crazy that it, it resonates with different people in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's kind of an unexpected, I don't know. Do you benefit. guys
0: uh, distribute outside of New York too? Or is it all in New York?
1: Yeah. So right now we, we've had one distributor up until now. It's been three years. Um, they cover New York City, Long Island, and Westchester County. Mm-hmm. But we just signed with a distributor that covers 21 counties north of New York City. So that'll be up through the Hudson Valley and Capital Region up to Lake George. Nice. So we're really excited to work with them. Um, and then um, by the end of the week, maybe early next week, we're going to um, take on another distributor that covers D.C., Maryland, and Delaware. Cool. To, yeah. Yeah. So to go that back to our roots. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of friends back in D.C., especially that from me, they were uh, friends who were bartenders in, like, 2004, 2005, and now they're all managers and owners of bars and restaurants. So they've been saying very graciously for the last couple of years, whenever you're ready, just send it. We'll take it. We'll put it on. So we've been working towards that <laughs> for a very long time. Nice. Yeah. And then I'm going to
0: guess down the line it's going to be Colorado. Uh, seattle's also a good spot and that would be nice
1: <laughs> we'll see it's it's competitive yeah it's there. a process yeah but
0: I, I think it'll happen i think it'll
1: thank happen. you yeah i'd like that to happen um but we're we're very happy with um being in new york city there's definitely enough people here that to drink your beer to keep you in business yeah. so anything outside of the city is just really kind of bonus
0: yeah well, yeah. man, it's uh, really nice talking to you face-to-face. Yeah. Uh, we have some interactions on Facebook. Yeah, um, definitely. And so I know we have some like-minded views on the world. Glad yep. we got to get into some of those. Yeah. Um,
1: our hippie socialist yeah. views. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, what, uh, what's the best place for people to um, stay up-to-date with what you, you're you working on and whatnot? Sure.
1: Um, yeah, you can go to our website, bravenbrewing.com. Um We update there every now and then, but really the the best way, I think, to stay in touch is to sign up for our email list. Mm -hmm. We we send out whenever we have news, Um, but I really like our our Instagram. It's pretty fun. It's just at Brave and Brewing. Um, We do events all the time. We do a lot of uh, the events usually are with uh, galleries, with artists, with musicians. Uh, We try to support as many local artists and, and creatives in the neighborhood as we can. Um, so we do interviews, we do gallery, uh, site visits, studio visits. Um, we have a couple of those coming up again soon. So, um, that's a fun way to just stay in touch with what we're doing.
0: Nice. And, uh, the new brewing company or the new brewing pub, uh, is it just going to be called Braven Brewing yeah. Company or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're going to keep the name just Braven Brewing Company. It's a, it'll be a brewery and restaurant.
0: And that's uh, that's right off of the Morgan Ave L in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's where Lantern Hall used to be. Um, what's the
1: exact address on that? Fifty-two Harrison Place. Fifty-two Harrison Place. And yeah, that's right mm-hmm. off of the train. If yeah, you're familiar with the L 10 train, ten feet from the subway entrance, yeah. kind of sandwiched between two giant cement factories. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. know where those giant silos are, I we're know right them, there. Know them very well. Yeah. Um,
0: well, man. Is there anything else uh, that you want to leave us with or say?
1: I'm just uh, excited to take Braven to the next step here in Bushwick. We really realize our goal uh, of what we've been trying to work on for five years to be part of the community more than just by supplying beer. Now, actually, we can invite people into our home, uh, which they've been inviting us into theirs for a long time. So it'll be really incredible once we open this, but then – I feel like that's when the work really starts. <laughs> Just nice. getting it up and running. Yeah. Well, cool,
0: man. Uh, thank you for coming in and talking yeah, with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, and I'll definitely uh, keep people posted um, when you guys open the front doors. Great. So.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So that was the conversation I had with Marshall Thompson from Braven Brewing Company. Had a really good time chatting with him. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, Check them out at bravenbrewingcompany.com. Also, check out their Instagram. Also, check out our Instagram, Bushwick Variety Show. You'll see a picture of me and Marshall and my two little mini Bear Wolves. Um, Yeah, let us know what you think of the show so far. Stick around, got a lot of great episodes coming up. We'll be back every Monday and Thursday. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I'm really enjoying doing it. Thank you again for listening. Have a good one. Peace.